Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So we have started out this series talking about the relationship between salt and light, coming from what Jesus told us in Matthew 5, verses 13 and 14. And then we'll kind of review a little bit of what we've talked about and then tie it all together today hopefully in a beautiful bow, okay? You want the NRSV? Yes, please, let's do that. I have it. You got it, okay. So Matthew 5, uh, verse 13 through 16, right? Mm -hmm. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. When you think about salt and you think about light, We've been talking about it in reference to our planet, to the processes by which we can understand life. And one of the amazing things that I just tripped over as we were going through this series, and I wanted to spoil it so bad, but I tried to you know, hold it in suspense for this particular week as we close it out, is because this particular uh, scripture, everything that we talked about can be encompassed visually from the process known as the water cycle. Now we all remember second grade, third grade, when we learned about the water cycle, right? And when we think about this in context with the relationship between water, light, and salt, that process has been going on from the beginning of creation. Scientists have said that the water that we drink right now is the same original water that has always been on this planet. There is no new water. So even the water that we're getting in our water bottles right now, Fiji, all the fancy waters we have, the water from the tap, the water that's in the storage, the water, that's the same water that God created that the spirit moved over in the beginning in Genesis. Amazing stuff, right? The reason why that water is still useful to us is because of the water cycle. So we're going to talk about the water cycle a little bit. We're going to talk about God and creation and all that. And we're going to tie it into a scripture reference in Isaiah where God kind of talks about this cycle, its usefulness and its purpose according to how God functions in this earth. Okay. So when you talk about the water cycle, the water cycle has a few stages. And, and my kids will probably be able to do this better than me because they, you know, I don't know if you've watched that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Um, and they had grown-ups on there trying to figure out if they can still remember that stuff, and they were doing horrible. So, you know, maybe my kids will be, be better at this. But the water cycle has several stages. And the first stage of the water cycle is called evaporation. 
okay? Basically, what evaporation is, is when the sun's light, the energy from the sun, hits the ocean. And during that process, the ocean water, the salt water, is absorbed into the atmosphere, right? When it's absorbed into the atmosphere, this actually causes a process that causes clouds to form and all of this. Now, this is why this is important. This is why looking at this in the context of how God calls us salt and light. 97% of the earth's water is not drinkable on its own. So if there was no water cycle process, there would be no way for us to access the water that's here because it takes the cycle to make it useful for us. So it takes the salt and the light working together in order to produce useful, drinkable water. So what this evaporation process does is it helps to move the water that is very concentrated in salt from the ocean into the sky, and then by which the wind catches the clouds which are formed and move them over into the land, right? Then that's why they call it a cycle, okay? The reason why this works so well is because we understood that the salt in the earth is vital to producing energy. It's also vital for the stabilization of growth and nutrients in the earth, right? But if all the salt water stays in the bottom of the ocean and doesn't also circulate throughout the earth to where it needs to be, not only won't we be able to access it, but those other living organisms that need to access the things that are in a different place won't be able to access it as well. So you see how this is, the Lord didn't just say, you're the salt of the earth, because that's one facet. He called you two main ingredients of this major process that is vital to the sustenance of life. Think about this and how God is calling us to fully surrender all of ourselves to him, giving him our minds like we talked about last time, right? Not just giving him a compartment of yourself or giving him your religious side or give him your church side or your good side, but giving God everything about you so that he can use you in the fullness for all of what he has for you to be for him in the earth. Very, very important. So during that evaporation phase, the salt concentration in the ocean becomes more concentrated because a lot of the water is being pulled out. When this happens, this is also allowing us to be able to access salt. So this is, this is another way for us to be able to get this mineral out, to be able to use it to preserve our food, to be able to use it to preserve uh, life or whatever we're doing you know, with the salt that we use it for. So these are very interesting processes by which God has already instituted in the earth that we take for granted every day, honestly, right? So just for the mere fact that this very water that you are drinking today has been the very water from the very beginning when he created the heavens and the earth. Let's you know how much God cares about preserving what he made. God cares about preserving what he created. God cares about what he made to the point that it's self-sustaining. There's nothing that we have to do for this process to continue. Whether we're here or not, this process is gonna still continue because it's a reflection of God's care over what he has made. That includes you. God cares for you the same way, that he has set certain things in motion so that you're able to be sustained whether you acknowledge him or not. Now, here's an interesting question. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Lord, I thank you for the water cycle? 
I thank you for this amazing process by which you have done it. No, because our mind doesn't think that way. Our mind is thinking more so about our own life, what we're concerned about and all that. And I'm saying that to say, I'm not saying that like you should have done it because, <laughs> you know, who thinks like that, right? Unless you're a scientist. But what I am saying is when we do not have a posture of appreciation for God's bigness and all of the things that God is doing or God has allowed for us to experience, you can see how that would insult God as far as us being ungrateful. Because there's so many things that are attached to God's faithfulness over us that we would never even be able to conceive. The water cycle is one process that sustains life, but there are many others that even in our body that sustain us that we would never be able to appreciate or understand. So there's a moment to thank God right there in your mind and your heart for all the things that God is allowed to do, that God is allowed to happen, the processes that are going on unbeknownst to you, that God is allowed to happen. So if we was in a public setting, I would say, why don't we give God a, a hand clap of praise right there mm -hmm. for what God is doing that we don't know he's already done for us. So think about this. When you think about the rain and you think about, you know, uh, the condensation, which is the next stage that happens where the moisture from the heat is, is actually collected and now it's up in the sky and all this. And all the, the purpose of this is to make what we wouldn't be able to have access to accessible. So God has taken this undrinkable element and making it accessible to us in his time. So what does this have to do with us? What does that have to do with, with the process that we're going through as far as being salt and light in the earth? So when we talk about salt, we're talking about the preservative nature of salt. We're talking about the flavoring aspect of salt and all the health benefits that we listed that we talked about with salt. Spiritually now speaking, spiritual health wise, the way God works is he wants us to be partakers of what he has given in the earth too. So one of the things that I often see is a lot of times the temptation for us, even as we're walking with the Lord, is for us to focus on healing everybody else and not allowing the word and God to heal us first. You know, this walk with God becomes a proving session or an outward walk where it's more concerned about being the salt of the earth when you also are part of the very earth that needs salt as well. So you need to be salted by others just as much as you need to be the salt for others. So this process encompasses all of us in that way, right? So just as much as it's a calling for us to make ourselves aware of what God is calling us to, we also have to make ourselves vulnerable. We also have to allow ourselves to uh, be uh, weak in a sense. And I'm not saying weak and indulgent in sin. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, Honest with yourself, honest with your vulnerabilities. So in order for God to really be strong in your weakness. And I think that's really something that, you know, when you look at the life of Christ, it's really important for us to see that, that Christ, the God man, became a man. So in essence, God made himself vulnerable so that he could heal us and save us. So this whole idea of being a super Christian and, you know, having all the answers and, you know, if someone asks you how you doing, oh, I'm blessed, I'm this and that. Uh, that's nice, right? But every now and then it's nice to be able to be talking to a human being who's been saved by grace that actually has problems that we can help work through. That I don't feel isolated, that I'm not as Christian as you, or I'm not as saved or as holy as you because you never have no problems. So this whole, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, is calling us to a commonality and a vulnerability together. 
It's calling us to an accessibility amongst each other. Because at the end of the day, you can't live in a world without salt, and neither can I. You can't live in a world without light, and neither can I. So the spiritual aspect of it is really for us allowing God to manifest his presence, his grace, and the revelation. And we read that in the, in the Corinthian text, the revelation of God's mercy is really what brings us all together. A revelation of God's goodness is really what keeps us on the same level playing field. The beautiful thing about when we talk about the planet, and I love talking about science, and I love talking about the planet. One of the main reasons I like it is because it makes me feel small. It makes me feel like, wow, you did all of that, God? It, it forces you to put God in his place. It forces you to allow God to really speak to you like a child. And it's very easy for us to, you know, come into this faith thing and really feel like we know everything. But, you know, uh, it helps us to dwarf down our understanding so that we can try to apprehend what God wants for us. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I am the true light, right? I'm the true light, and anyone who follows after me will never walk in darkness. Jesus is the true light. And if this series hasn't done anything but to confirm our need for humility in our relationship with the Lord and how people will see us in that light, then we didn't do a good job. We are not the source of our own light. We are the lights of the world because Jesus is the light of the world, right? That humbles everybody because once again, like salt, and we need salt to live, we also need light. And this is naturally and spiritually, right? So we need Jesus in our lives to demonstrate his truth in the earth. We're not going to understand truth and truth in the fundamental sense truth and understanding anything that's true in this dark world of deception. You need Christ's light to be able to decipher what's real and what's not. Jesus says it very clearly. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we also talked about the fact that the light of life actually, and you think about the light of life, and you think about the water cycle, and you think about the fact that the water cycle is essential to life, and light is a key ingredient, thinking about that spiritually is like there is life in the power of light. So if we are going to be reflectors of God's glory in this earth, what God is really calling us to is not just illuminate him, but also be a vehicle by which people can be made whole. And while you're talking, I keep thinking about the fact that and this may be a little bit off topic, Sorry? but I, I keep thinking about the fact that in the Bible, water is often paralleled with the word of God. Yep. And thinking about the water cycle and the fact that salt is in water, but it's only through the sun and the evaporation of that water that you're able to extract the salt that's in the water. Mm -hmm. So it's like God is like we, we are hidden in the word of God. And the word of God is the vehicle that's used to transport us salt throughout the earth. And it's only through the activation of the light of the world, which is Jesus coming and evaporating the word or the water 
that we're left uh -huh. to salt the earth. But it's only through the word. You can't get the extraction of salt without water. Uh -huh. And then also without the sun or the light, which is Jesus. So it's, it's crazy how, like, even in, you know, this physical example, we see how God is at work spiritually. A hundred percent. That's exactly where we're going. Because, and, and see, the beautiful thing about the scriptures, and, and, I, and I hope this kind of stuff, like, helps us to really see. So when you read scriptures like, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep, but the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know, and we read scriptures like that. God is being descriptive visually for a reason. Because he wants to use what you see every day to give you a revelation of how he works. Right? So a lot of times we're looking at things in our own, like from our own reality, from our own situation. Meanwhile, God has said already in his word, and he's giving, he's painting a picture for you. Like he's painting this, this beautiful image, imagery filled picture that if you close your eyes, you can see how God works. So what God wants you to translate that in your own situation. So when you're in a storm or it's dark, you know, well, if it was dark in the beginning, the spirit was still there. So if the spirit is still there in the beginning, when nothing else was there, hovering over the face of the water, hmm, the spirit also is called the spirit of life. So that means life is about to come out of this. So when it's dark, is it really dark? Well, not really, because in outer space, the sun is still out there. The only difference is we need some reflectors. The only reason why I can't see my path is because it needs some illumination. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 13. You got it? Mm -hmm. Let's see. What you got? Okay, Isaiah 55, 10 through 13 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now, we probably have heard that scripture before, but... In context to what we've been talking about for the last five weeks, it really kind of gives us a view of our particular participative role in how this happens, right? So in Isaiah, the eagle-eyed prophet, the prophet who was a messianic prophet that was able to see afar off the suffering of Christ, is now giving us a look here and using something that everybody has seen. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not go back there until it has done its job. So now what's the job? The job is obviously to water the earth and not only water it, but also put it in a position to reproduce. Put the earth in a position, put nature in a position to be able to bring forth fruit and that they sprout. But not only that they bring forth fruit that they sprout, but that they also produce seed for those who are going to sow and for those who are going to eat. So this whole thing about God calling us salt of the earth, lights of the world, this first verse is actually just talking about the evaporation process. For as the rain and the snow come down, condensation to the earth and do not return there, that is talking about the water cycle. And it's giving seed to the sower and bread 
to the eater. What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us in this process? Now, the subject of the scripture is talking about the power of God's word, like you said, babe, and the necessity of God's word as a key ingredient in this process, right? But looking at the fact that God's word comes down, and if God's word comes down as fresh water from the heavens, running off and hitting into the earth, let's remember where these elements are and where these elements come from, right? So we said that 97% of the earth is salt water, right? That's the ocean water. There's really no fresh water on the earth like that. So where does fresh water come from? The only fresh water that comes to this earth is the rain. Rain is fresh water, right? That's the water that comes down. When the fresh water, the word of God, comes and hits the earth, the earth, that chemical reaction that happens, begins to unearth the salt that is in the rocks. When that happens, that allows the minerals to come down into the ocean. And as you can see, we can go back and, and talk about that series in that way. But today would be the importance of how the word of God makes this process work. And the word of God is what sustains every aspect of us. It's the word of God that sustains the life-giving aspect of these minerals. So as the word of God comes down from heaven and does not return void, does not return until it has accomplished what God has said it's going to accomplish, but it's going to cause things to grow, cause things to sprout. So are we called to do the same thing in this dark and evil world. So we are called to use the word of God, to allow the word of God to be our anchor, to be our guide so that people are not hearing our words, but they're hearing God's word. And if they're hearing God's word, they're seeing God's word. And who's the word of God? Jesus Christ. I hope we can see the connections. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God is Jesus Christ. So this is also pointing to the fact that if we are called to be lights as Jesus is the light, we are mere reflective illuminators of who God is. That we are, in many cases, the first thing people will see when they come to know Jesus. We're either going to make people curious about the Lord or disgruntled about the Lord. We're either going to help people to find hope Oh, we're going to be frustrators. So that all comes down to the fact, how aware are you of what God has called you? And how willing are you to move and lean into that space and allow God to really be what he wants to be and reflect off of you in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, in all of his goodness, in all of his grace? The way we can do that is we at the foundation need to never allow our experience with the Lord to grow stale. We must always put ourselves in the posture of understanding how much the love of God means to me. See, and this, this, and I think this is important when we're talking about our walk with the Lord. It's so vital, especially when we get down the road because it's very easy to get familiar with the Lord, familiar with church, familiar with tradition, familiar with all the things that we know, and forget the simplicity of the gospel and just the mere fact that God loves me and how much does he love me and how much does he care about me 
so that I'm not dealing with condemnation and I'm not dealing with guilt and I'm not dealing because all that stuff contaminates the surface by which God wants to shine off. There are some people that have enough guilt. They don't need to see yours. They have enough pain. They don't need to see God's light distorted by your pain. They don't need to see God's light distorted by your guilt and your feeling of inadequacy. They want to see what does God's light reflect like off of somebody like you? What does God's grace look like on somebody that has weaknesses like you? That's someone that has a family history like you. There's someone that has a past like you. What does the Lord taste like coming from you? What are people experiencing because of you? Are you allowing the fresh word of God to rain down on you so that you will be a source of producing life? That's the thing. Now, the beautiful thing about the rain is the way God set it up is basically he's saying, it's not going to stop raining on you until I, I'm going to create opportunities for growth through you because I'm God. A easier way to say that is God's grace is not running out on you because he wants you to come into the knowledge of who he is so that he could use you. So think about the times that we have disqualified ourselves and said, you know, I, I'm not, I can't, oh, I don't know, because it's about us. Right? It's, it's not about Christ anymore. It's about us. It's, it's about, you know, what it's, 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 it becomes more about how we look more so than what God looks like off of us. We make it about us, but we couldn't even save ourselves. In many cases, we, we, we're helpless in, in, in relation to God. So when it's talking about the rain coming down from heaven and will not return, that's God saying, I'm going to continue to display my grace through my word on you. And I'm going to continue to put you in situations where you hear me speaking. Your job to recognize it. But you're going to continually hear, 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 hear. Because what we got to understand is this process only works as much as God allows the cycle to continue. And if God is the one that started the cycle, God is the one that produces the results of the cycle. So our participation in it is just being who he called us to be. See, we're already a part of it. You're already salt. You're already reflectors. So you're already a part of the process. So you're not reaping the fruits of being a part of the process. Could be on you. And that's a responsibility that God is calling us to. Right? There's a yielding and there's a surrendering every day. A constant surrender every day to the process that has already been established before we were even here. Like we didn't, we didn't create any of this. Jesus told us this because he just wants to, well, just in case you didn't know, you're salt and light. Just in case you didn't realize that. Like you're more than just a human being here. Just in case you didn't know, let me tell you, you are the salt of the earth. You are the lights of the world. And then someone who appreciates God it's like, wait, hold on, Jesus is calling me something? But well, what does that mean? But what does that mean to me? Well, who am I? And now we allow the fresh rain of God's word to now cause us to become what Jesus already said we are. That's, it's, a, it's a beautiful process. And it's a beautiful way that God has allowed it. And I think one of, I think one of the things that we always say is the temptation to do more than God has called us to do is religious. 
We are tempted to do more than the high calling that God has already called us to. See, when God puts a purpose in you, it is already high. Hallelujah. Right. It's not our job to determine the effectiveness of it or the value of it because we don't, like we said before, we don't, if we're just salt, we don't determine, salt doesn't determine where it goes or how valuable it is. Yep. It's in the hand of the, of the, of the chef or whoever's preparing the food to determine how much salt and where that salt goes. And it, it's up to the person receiving it to appreciate it and experience it. Mm-hmm. But it's the salt's job is not to decide that was, I, I wasn't supposed to go on that. Or why'd you put me on, mm-hmm. on, on that piece of meat? Or why, why am I? No, mm-hmm. you, your job is just to be what you are and let mm-hmm. God put you where he wants to put you. And then whatever comes from that and whatever's produced from that is, that's really not your responsibility mm-hmm. or job to, to worry about. Yeah. You, you, you see how we get trapped? We get trapped into guilt, trapped in feeling insignificant, trapped in all these things. We're feeling inadequate and all that. When God has given you everything you need within you through Christ to please him. Like you not got to find your purpose outside of God. Your purpose is hidden in Christ, in God. That's the scriptures. So if you align yourself with the word of God, align yourself with the grace of God, never forget the gravity by which God has bestowed his love upon you. That is at the forefront of your mind and you're walking with the Lord and allowing his word to be the guide for your life. You will find yourself becoming what God has already destined you to be. Anything more than that is you and it's a trap for bondage. Us trying to do and trying to be and trying to be all this, do all this other stuff is a trick of the enemy to get us to fall into doing things ourselves. And then we want God to just be the cleanup person and just to fix it just because we wanted to do it our own way. Well, we could have just surrendered and allowed him to just guide us that way. Easier said than done. We all do it. But the point of this whole thing is this process by which God has instituted life to be sustained in this earth is just as much natural as it is spiritual. And in order for us to realize our place in that and participate in that process, we must surrender to God and be more acquainted with the value of God's fresh word that comes to us. So verse 11 is powerful. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. And when God says things to us and God speaks through his word, That's the foundation by which we take truth from. That is where the truth comes from, by which the world needs. They don't need our truth because our words fail. We're not equipped to hold ourselves to a standard that God holds himself to. So in the same way, we have to respect God and God's word and that he's saying here, if I said something, if I called you something, it's not going to return into me void. And it's going to keep doing what it's doing until it accomplishes all that I have desired it to do. So not only are we to perpetuate the goodness and grace of God, but God also has aspects of healing in that, aspects of reconciliation in that. All the benefits that both salt and light bring to our atmosphere, God has the same calling on us in the spirit. And it's a high calling. But it's not a calling that we 
reach for in our own strength. It's a calling that God empowers us to do as we surrender ourselves to him in our walk with him. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day, this time that uh, we have come together and uh, assembled to hear from you, God. We thank you for speaking to us, God, not just this week, but throughout this whole series, God, you, you have reminded us week after week about the commission that you've given us to be salt and light in this earth, yes, God, Lord. salt in the earth and light in this world, God. Yes, Lord. So Lord, I pray, God, that as we move on from this series, that you will continue to remind us daily of our job and our function mm. in this world and yes, on this earth, God. I pray, God, that we would remind ourselves through situations that we are to be salt mm. and that we are to be light so that men may see our good works and yes, glorify Lord. you, which is in heaven, oh God. Yes, that is our ultimate goal, God. Please help us, God, to continue to be that, God. I pray, God, that if there is any sin, God, that is in our lives, unknowing or knowing, God, I pray, God, that you would bring it to light first and foremost so that we might be effective witnesses. Forgive us of every sin, God. Yes, Lord. And make us new, make us right before you, God. I pray, God, as always, that you would continue to give us the grace for the things that will not change, the mercy for when we fall short of the calling, God. Mm and for the favor to obtain the things that we cannot on our own, not for our glory or for our sake, but for yours, God. We thank you and we praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www at thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.